Following is a paid presentation. It's Rockin' Vino. All right. Good afternoon and welcome to Rockin' Vino here on KSRO. It is sponsored by American Ag Credit. I am Michelle and here is Coco. Hi, Coco. Hello. How's it going? Good, good. We've had a chance to chat uh, at least a little bit briefly with our guest on Rockin' Vino uh, today. Uh, There's some really fun, fascinating stories I think we're going to be talking about. So this is going to be a good half hour. Jason Leffler, he is the owner of Stereophonic Wine. You can find them online at stereophonicwine.com. And uh, Coco, why don't you go ahead and introduce him and bring him in? Well, hello, Jason. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you. Um, I got to say, you know, your wine bottles are absolutely stunning. And that's what initially caught my, my eye. And also, of course, your label, the name of your winery. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about how this winery came about and how you got going. Oh, thanks. Yeah, so <clears throat> so uh, Stereophonics started in 2015, which was based on a trip that uh, we took to Italy. And I saw my wife with her Italian family and I saw her just like transform into this like vivacious Italian mama and I thought that was like super cool and maybe it would be fun to like um, take some of the wine that we were having there and make it at home and it was a home wine and then I tried to make the wine for a couple years but no one wanted to sell me any of these grapes it's a rare grape called Ayanico and so uh, finally I asked a winemaking friend of mine his name's Aaron Jackson he's located in Paso if you could help me find it and he called me back the next day and said I found it so what are you going to do what's your plan and I didn't have one (laughs) And we started uh, building on that, and now we're seven vintages in, and we make different wines every single year. We have a long list of ideas to work from, and uh, we work together on the ideas for getting the grapes, for making the wine in a novel way, trying to create new flavors. And then I design the vast majority of the labels myself, come up with the names, music playlists, all that good stuff. Very, very cool. Yeah, so you brought this beautiful bottle of wine, and this is the Heart Container. Is that correct? And it's a Sangiovese from Paso, and it's so cool because it also does have... Um, it has a beautiful heart logo, stunning colors, and then on the back is a QR code in which you can scan, and then that leads you to your website, and then to a Spotify playlist, and then more information about the wine. Is that right? Yes, that's right. So all the wines uh, after the first vintage have these QR codes that can give you more info, particularly like why we did what we did, because these are unique wines. And then also because music guides a lot of our creative process in making the wine and coming up with uh, new ideas. So we put together playlists that sort of try to capture some of that emotion and uh, excitement that comes with winemaking. Very cool. And I'm looking at the playlist right now. So there's the Apollas, there's Little Richard, um, Tyrone Davis, the Go-Go's. Let's see here. Um, the Pointer Sisters, so it's like, it sounds like a fun playlist. What what are you trying to convey with this playlist and this wine for your guests? Like, what would you like them to experience? Yeah, this wine is really about um, kind of uh, being alive. You know, it's mm-hmm. a very vivacious, fun, upbeat kind of wine, and that was the point. And the playlist reflects that. These are songs that, at least personally for me, uh, sort of reflect this sort of like feeling of uh, love and energy and uplifting uh, behavior. But also I try to mix in some potential uh, interesting interpretations in the playlist. If you ever made mixtapes uh, mm-hmm. in high school, I'm, ma- I'm making mixtapes for people who buy my wine. That's I want awesome. them to yeah. listen to the playlist and say, 
what is he really trying to tell me with this? Like, uh-huh. Does Jason have a crush on me? <laughs> <laughs> Got to read between the lines. There's yeah. a little bit of that. I want people to, to be able to get a little bit deeper if they feel like it. But otherwise, it's just good music that can help enhance the drinking experience. Very cool. So uh, while we're sniffing and uh, getting some impressions, first impressions from this wine, can you describe it? I, I really like the descriptions that you have on the website of some of your wines because it's beyond a sort of tasting notes. And I think that the Spotify list sort of add on to it. But the, the text that you write about each of them gives you a little story, some feelings around, surrounding it, some of the backstory. They're really cool. Um, I Before we get to this particular wine, I really want to go back to that first grape because I th- think that story of that first grape is just fascinating. And it was, uh, on your website, you say it was a common wine or grape that was found in Pompeii. Yeah, that's right. So the grape mm. you're talking about is Ionico. Mm-hmm. And this is the grape that's native to the part of Italy called Campania. It's the area around Mount Vesuvius and Pompeii and Naples. And it's where my uh, father-in-law is from. And so obviously this area is rich with history yeah. and rich with culture. It's also known for you know making amazing pizza and lots of other great food. And Ionico is the grape that has been grown there for 2,000 plus years since antiquity. So it's really steeped in history there, even though it's an everyday thing. So I was really uh, entranced by it. And, but then I came to California to try to find it, and there's about 80 acres of it in the entire state. <laughs> wow. Which, uh, Crazy. it's about, um, you know, one five thousandth the right. amount of Cabernet. <laughs> so it's tough to get some. Yeah, yeah. But I persevered, and um, I think be committing myself to finding that uh, grape to make a cool wine. Uh, is really what uh, has seen me through this uh, and made me inspired to make more and more things that I have been passionate about. Yeah, it's very, very cool. And I I love that the image on it is this image of sort of the fire of the earth, you know, and just volcanic activity. And when you associate that, of course, with the eruption of Mount Vesuvius and how it just trapped everything in time uh, for us to know sort of what their lives were like. I mean, this is fascinating. Yeah. And if, you know, if you're ever interested, if you ever get to go to Pompeii, I I recommend visiting Pompeii. It's a fascinating place. But they've actually uh, been able to put together vineyards that Hmm. existed in Pompeii before the eruption of Vesuvius. And they actually were able to find the exact places of them because of how the ash had fallen. And they replanted those vineyards that they had 2,000 years ago. So if you ever want to do a really extreme vineyard tour, right? you can go inside Pompeii. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's awesome. That's so I'm neat. into that. I'm yeah. into that. I went to Pompeii back in 2009, and I, I don't think they had that set up quite then. But that, I mean, I would 100% go back. It was yeah. amazing. And also, I didn't get the pizza in Naples, so that was a big oh, mistake. Oh, well, nice. It's a bit of an oversight. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Got to go back. Rightfully famous, though. Wow, that's yeah. cool. I also have Pompeii connection. I haven't been there. You guys are whatever. But uh, oh. we did in, in, uh, in uh, high school, I did this thing called Odyssey in the Mind. And oh, you yeah. um, sort of have a problem that you had to come uh, come up with a solution for and create sets and do a blah, blah, blah skit, whatever. Ours was we had to... Um, show some artifacts from Pompeii and then our own that we made and then show it either before, during, or after the eruption of Mount Suvius and Vesuvius. And we compared and contrasted at the time the Gulf War was happening. So we sort of did like art versus, you know, the transitory feelings of today and, you know, what is art and how important is it? I mean, it was really fun and it was great. <laughs> and that's sort of a kind of... Um, 
threads and connections between the past and the present yeah. and feelings and science and all that stuff, it really fascinates me. And it's part of what I'm trying to do with Stereophonic. You know, I had often felt I worked in I've worked in wine now for 23 years. So basically, as soon as I got out of school and I always felt that wine was one of the most interesting and poetic of things we could ever, you know, kind of come up as mankind. And yet the way that we talked about it was rather dull and <laughs> gatekeeping and exclusive. Mm-hmm. And I said, let's just let's put some fun yeah. and let's put some kind of, you know, some uh, connections back into wine. So that's why I named it Stereophonic. I okay. felt that wine had been monophonic for a yeah. long time. Yeah. And it was just obsessed with itself. And Stereophonic was like, what if we also acknowledge that we love to eat? We love to travel. We love to talk. We have feelings. We love art. We love music. What if we connected wine to that? And that's what I've been trying to do with these wines. Very cool. And it, I mean, these wines are fantastic. I mean, I've just had this Sangiovese, but this is really lovely. It's light. It's approachable. Um, I mean, it's really quite delicious. Thanks. I agree. We should cheers to that. Oh, yeah. Let's so cheers. To... There we go. Ding, oh, ding. Nice. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we do want to talk a little bit about uh, your history because that's also a fun part of your story. But we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we are talking with the owner of Stereophonic Wine, Jason Leffler. Uh, and you can find them online at StereophonicWine.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to Rockin' Vino. At American Ag Credit, we know success in agriculture means making the most of every minute. Our convenient and secure digital banking tools put time back into your hands so you can be where you're needed most. From mobile check capture to automatic payments, electronic signature, and more, we offer safe and efficient solutions to keep your business running smoothly so you have more time for the moments that matter. For more information, visit agloan.com online. American Ag Credit. Your future grows here. It's Rockin' Vino. All right. And welcome back to Rockin' Vino. I am Michelle along with my co-host Coco. Today we're talking with Jason Leffler, the owner of Stereophonic Wine. You can find them online at stereophonicwine.com. So Jason, you said that you've had a long career over two decades in wine. Uh, How did you get started and what then was that leap to making your own wine? Yeah, it's actually funny how I got started. I uh, got out of school with a degree uh, in a a business that wasn't existing any longer. So I started temping at uh, Cost Plus World Market. And my first job was breaking open crates. Mm -hmm. And I did that with such uh, gusto that eventually they hired me into the wine department. And I just started (laughs) learning about wine. And then one day it clicked. I realized I really loved it. I was fascinated by how it changed and all that sort of stuff. And then I've been in wine retail, both uh, at fine wine shops and online in a variety of capacities, copywriting, all sorts of stuff Hmm. since then. And then I had a family and I wanted to start doing something that I could build with at the same time as I was doing that. And so um, I decided to try to make wine and um, I was fortunate to have the help of my winemaker, Aaron Jackson. And Aaron is someone who I met at uh, one of my wine shops and he used to just drive up from Paso with a pickup truck full of wine and no appointments and just try to sell it all (laughs) while he was up. And I really admired his initiative, but he was also really smart guy, really kind, um, and uh, I really resonated with him from the beginning. So when we had the opportunity to make stuff together, I leapt at the opportunity. 
And uh, it's been a somewhat contentious relationship because <laughs> I have a lot of pie-in-the-sky ideas, and he's yeah. a very pragmatic person. <laughs> and so we really clash. But the resulting wine shows that kind of combination of energies, you yeah. know? And so when you guys are talking about the winemaking process and everything, how do you guys settle on the direction that the wine is going to go in? Who has like the ultimate final call on that? That's a good question. In my experience, it's been the wine that really oh, cool. ultimately decides what it is because there are certain things that I fantasize about making and then Aaron will tell me what actually happens in reality. <laughs> and then I sort of pressed for some way. I was like, can we maybe try this thing so we can maybe get this possible expression out of it and maybe we can try this? And he's like, well, it's your wine, man. We'll see what happens. And then invariably whatever comes out is a third thing mm. that is the combination of both of us kind of like jockeying. Uh, uh -huh. And then the wine itself just does its own thing and I end up loving it. So. Mm. Very cool. Wow. Uh, so tell us a little bit about this wine, this Sangiovese. What kinds of notes and, and story does this wine hold for you? Sure. So you guys are drinking the 2020 Heart Container Sangiovese. This is from Paso Robles. Um, Paso is a pretty warm place, and so it's warmer than where Sangiovese grows in Italy. So to address that, we picked earlier. So we picked this at uh, about 22 bricks, looking for a lower alcohol, lighter expression. And for me, what I love about Sangiovese is that uh, the cherry, the citrus peel, some of the herbal, and sometimes even a little bit of like the cured meat character, but mm -hmm. in like a juicy, refreshing style. Mm -hmm. And while Paso doesn't typically make that kind of wine, you can if you um, play around a little bit with it. Okay. And so that was the thing is that we're like, let's try a new idea. Let's try to make something that we're not supposed to be able to make. And it turned out really, really well. And so I'm seeing that it was aged in 75% neutral and 25% steel. Is that kind of part of the experimentation process is the is, is how you're you're barreling and how you're aging it? Yeah, that is part of it. There's lots of different approaches. It starts with the vineyards, it starts with uh, how we farm them, how we pick them, you know, what kind of decisions we make in the cellar, what decisions we make in terms of blending barrels. Mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, certain things don't end up in the wine that you thought were going to and some things that do end up in the wine that you were not expecting. And I try not to be too dogmatic about it. I want to make new wine and I want to make wine that ultimately makes people happy. And so I don't have to have it be my way as long as the outcome is really good and novel. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, we chose some stainless steel in order to keep this wine kind of fresher and more mm. acidic uh, because that's really a, a hallmark of Sangiovese. I don't want to make one that also like isn't great Sangiovese. I just want it to be my own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This uh, feels like it's an excellent uh, food wine, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yummy. I've, yeah, I've been told it is. <laughs> <laughs> what, have you, what kind of foods have you enjoyed with this wine before? Uh, I hate to rub it in, but it is really great with Neapolitan-style pizza. Oh, that is rubbing it in, man. I yeah. need to go back. I, know, yeah. <laughs> I just need to go back. Yeah, we actually, we sent, we sent a couple bottles of this uh, uh, when my wife last visited family in Italy, and it got the thumbs up from, nice. the, from the companion. So I feel Whoa. like it's passed a little bit of the, uh, the credibility test. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. That's, that's <laughs> great. Um, how many varietals uh, do you make, and are there ones that you're looking forward to working with? Yeah, so uh, I think at this point we've made uh, maybe 10 or 12 different varietal wines. We've actually only repeated wines twice ever, hmm. and those are with a pair of Old Vine Cabernet sites that we work with, one in Paso and one in Diamond Mountain in mm. Napa. Mm -hmm. And the rest is new every single year. And so this year we're uh, making our first ever uh, Chardonnay. That's coming from Arroyo Grande. Mm. Uh, and then I'm optimistic that we'll be able to work with more Rhone varieties in the future. I want to find Mondeuse. 
uh, which is a red grape from the Savoie that I adore, if I can find that. But I have a feeling that's going to take a while because, <laughs> well, there's just not much of it to go around. But there's a long list that I keep of ideas that I'm hoping to tackle in the future. Huh, that's so cool. And then do you and your winemaker kind of, are, are, are both of you kind of on the search for these vine, like these specific grape varietals and specific locations? Because you, you know, you guys have grapes from, it looks like Paso, Central Coast, and Napa. Yeah. So um, how, does, how does that go about? Yeah, so um, yeah, when it comes to the like, the the fact finding missions we yeah. really are working together we're trying to find everything we can i'm based up here so it's much easier for me to look for sonoma and napa based uh, vineyards and he's situated in paso so the central coast is sort mm. of you know his network and mm-hmm. uh, but we've never even said that those are the limits we'd be willing to look in oregon washington other parts of california for sure um because there's lots of stuff left to make there's yeah. lots of new ideas left to do. So, yeah, if I find something up here, I'll say, okay, I'm just going to park the U-Haul truck in the vineyard, and when the fruit is picked, I wake up at 2 in the morning and I drive <laughs> it straight down to the winery. Wow. So so tell us about your Spotify playlist, because this is just fascinating to me. Do you pick the songs as you're making the wine? Do you, ma- do you pick the songs after the wine has been made? What's your process like? It's like it's a bit like gardening. So I'm opening up a playlist at the beginning of the idea. Mm. And so as I'm hearing songs that make me think about certain wines, I add them to a prospective playlist for a wine that hasn't even been started yet. Oh, cool. Oh, and that's then fun. as the wine is made, I start to add new things that remind me of like the, the whole process or the time. And then at the end, uh, I taste the wine and I'm like, okay, these are the things that I'm thinking of now when it comes to uh, the music. And so the playlist is often a kind of a, a combination of all these different phases of the wine's creation and then turned into a, a mixtape narrative. Huh, that's really cool. What kind of feedback do you get from people who listen to that and then try your wine? People are super positive about it. They're really happy to have that. Oftentimes they would like to open the wine as like they're starting to cook or they're hanging out, putting on some music in the background while they're chopping vegetables and things like that is like a really civilized way to be. Yeah. And so people love that. <laughs> they, they really find it as like a nice way also to... Um, take the attention away from the wine and start moving into their dinner together or, mm. you know, their party. And I like being able to facilitate that part of it too. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. cool. I you. love that. <laughs> I mean, I just, it's so cool, you know, music and, and wine brings people together and it, you know, you're kind of doing that all in one, which is really neat. Yeah. And music's so important. I mean, music, I would even hold in a higher regard than wine. You know, it's, uh-huh. it's really the, the, one of the best experiences we can have as people. Yeah, yeah, we were talking the other day when we were going wine tasting about which sense you would be willing to lose. Yeah. And there's no way I could lose my hearing because if I couldn't listen to music anymore, that would just be, that would be awful. Right. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't handle it. That is a tough one. Like, you know, out of all of your senses, which one, which one would you lose if you had to choose one to lose? This is a really tough question. It's an awful yeah, question. Like, it's it's, 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 it is. None of them are good. Yeah, you know? right? Yeah. I think I settled on touch just because I was like, I'd still be able to taste food because that's important too. Yeah. Smell is important just as taste, if, right. if not more so. Mm-hmm. And all the memories that are connected with smell as well. Do you think though, because you're an artist, would that affect you? Touch? If you lost touch? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm more visual, I think. So, mm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, I'm tempted to go with touch as well, but there's a lot that I need to touch still. So yeah. Maybe, yeah. May, maybe smell. Maybe smell. I don't know. Oh, it's yeah. such a hard thing. It's a very... Couldn't go without sight. Couldn't go without hearing. Yeah. yeah. Well, we had a, a guy on, uh, Charles Spence, and he said that um, the the sense that if a person lost their sense of smell, that was the, mo- the most depressing 
um, one mm. or that caused the most depression if mm-hmm. people lost it, their sense of smell. Because it's so intertwined and connected with so many things. Yeah. Which is crazy. When I had COVID and I thought I was losing my taste and I did for like two days, I like had this whole depressive moment and I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God. It was like, crisis. how long yeah. is this going to be? I guess I'm just resigned to it. But luckily it came back in like a day or two. Yeah. So. Oh, it was rough. <laughs> um, okay. We've got about four minutes left in our live portion of the program. So go ahead. Um, okay. So speaking of your beautiful bottles, yes. so we were asking... Um, did you create this beautiful artwork that's on the, the labels? Yeah, on, on Heart Container and many of the other labels, I've done the artwork. Um, usually either, you know, through digital painting or drawing or Photoshop editing, you know. I mean, I'm no master, but I do have lots of ideas that are going on to these labels. Mm-hmm. And then for three wines, um, my Albarino, uh, a blend called The Dream of Spring, and then a Cabernet that I called Untrue. I commissioned uh, artwork from artists I found online, and they really did an amazing job, mm-hmm. each one in a really unique style. And uh, all of those artists have since gone on to become relatively successful in their field, so I can't <laughs> afford to commission them any longer. <laughs> so I'll probably be making all the ones in the future. But Very it's really cool. a fun outlet. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's beautiful. Yeah, all right, we you. have to ask you um, maybe one of our lightning round questions so that people can hear on air. Should we do sure. it? Yeah, let's all do right, it. All right, all right. hit me. Okay, uh, Desert Island Disc. This is, the, this is a hard one. You desert are stuck on a desert island, and you can only bring three albums with you. What are they? Okay, and I'm able to listen to these on the desert island. Yes, okay. yeah. so you have a, you have a turntable or a CD. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, so I would say um, The Perfect Prescription, that's an album by The Spaceman 3. Uh, it's a drone rock band that I adore. Um, really influenced me in a lot of ways, and I'm not tired of that album. It's, you know, 30 years on, I'm still fine. And then after that, I would say uh, Doctor John. Oh, Doctor nice. John, Gree Gree. Just one of these places, one of these albums that you can really fantasize with and just go to a different place. Mm-hmm. If you're ever tired of being in a tropical paradise right. by yourself, <laughs> can really think of somewhere else like being in New Orleans. And um, um, I love clubbing. I love dance music. So I would say maybe Underworld. If you know Underworld, mm. they have a, a great uh, concert album called Everything Everything, which is like them at the peak of their powers. And it's all great euphoric dance music. And Oh, uh, yeah. If I'm by myself, then I can dance like no one's watching. That's right. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, how do people find your wines? So my wines are available best through my website, which mm-hmm. is stereophonicwine.com. And uh, everything's available for purchase there, and we ship pretty much everywhere. And uh, also, you can find me in uh, basically fine wine retail in uh, wine country, North Bay, and the Bay Area, and uh, in certain spots uh, in Cal- other parts of California. For example, k uh, just started selling our Oh, wines. great. Lovely. So, okay. That's so cool. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up the live portion of Rock and Vino, but it, you know if you listen to our show that we uh, keep the party going, which we will do online at rockandvino.com. You can listen to a podcast. We're going to uh, keep Jason here and ask him the more probing questions about his <laughs> wines. Uh, but thanks so much for coming in. Absolutely. I had so much fun. And we will continue this conversation Again, online at rockandvino.com. This is KSRO. It's Rock and Vino. All right.
and welcome back to Rockin' Vino. I am Michelle with my co-host Coco, and uh, today we're talking uh, with our guest from Stereophonic Wine, Jason Leffler. He's the owner. You can find out more information and find his wines at stereophonicwine.com. So tell us a little bit more about your winemaker, Aaron. Yeah, so Aaron is a uh, winemaker uh, of his own winery, which is in Paso Robles. Um, he's a Central Coast native. He grew up in a, a surf town called called Cayucos, and he himself is a surfer. And uh, Aaron's a really interesting guy to me because he started making wine before he was 21 years old. Wow. And so he is younger than I am and has more vintages than most people who are twice his age. He really (laughs) was a prodigy. And he spent some time uh, with uh, Justin Smith, who is the owner and winemaker at Saxum. And so he really acquired a lot of great on-the-job expertise. But what I really love about Aaron is that he is uh, an exceptionally detail-oriented winemaker. He's a kind soul. He's very interested in people, especially the people who work with him. And he, over time, has become uh, more tolerant of my uh, my ideas. <laughs> so I've really seen a, a wonderful evolution in not just our working relationship, but our friendship. And so, um, yeah, we, we really collaborate in an interesting way. So random, but I just looked at his website and I quite literally had one of his Pinots like two days ago. <laughs> oh, one of the Acoria wines? Yeah. So somebody from um, his winery popped into one of our wineries and just dropped him off as a gift for, I think, our one of our marketing guys or whatever okay. and um, shared it with the team. And so I got to try one of the Pinots and it was really lovely. Yeah. He does a great job down there. Yeah. Uh, those are mostly in like the San Luis Obispo County area. Okay. Which is, uh, it's actually like an appellation that he's helped create. Oh, very, very cool. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And really cool labels too. Really nice. We share that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When Aaron does winemaking for you versus his own wines, mm-hmm. is he approaching them with different like tactics, like different styles of winemaking? Um, do you know how he does that? Yeah, yeah. So um, he makes a, a pretty consistent range of wines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's four or five blends, uh, or maybe four blends, and then a varietal Petit Syrah. And he's okay. a specialist in making Petit Syrah. In fact, I would argue he makes the best Petit Syrah in California, mm, Wow! as he's been doing it as a varietal wine for 20 years. And that might be slightly controversial, but I think it's true. And his blends are really set in stone. Like they're supposed to express very specific ideas he has about wine. And so his job is basically to keep refining what he makes. Mm. Meanwhile, I'm coming in here, you know, like a house on fire saying like, what if we did this? And <laughs> right. he would say, they don't do that because that's a bad idea, Jason. I'm like, it was a bad idea the last time they tried 30 years ago, but a lot has changed. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we're, we're gonna prove it wrong. And so, um, Everything's out the door. So he's basically making sure that the wine ideas that I come up with uh, don't end in calamity. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm uh, I'm there sort of making sure that he doesn't play it too conservative. Mm-hmm. And so whether he'll be using more uh, neutral oak or using more stainless steel or uh, maybe approaching a blend in a very different way, um, these are all things that, you know, kind of the wines ask for, you know, depending on what you're making. But... He's uh, definitely open to different techniques when it comes to making our stuff. Cool. Yeah. What would you say has been like the craziest, most like far-fetched idea you've had for winemaking? Uh, I literally just released it. Uh, it's a wine uh, called If Eventually, Why Not Now? Okay. And this is an idea uh, that is based on the fact that uh, in Bordeaux, their uh, the governing body, the INAO, is, has basically said, 
climate change is happening and we're going to have to start planting different grapes here in case it gets too hot oh, for wow. the traditional yeah. Bordeaux grapes. Yeah. And I said, okay, let's just do it now. They have a 25-year uh, kind of trial window, and I said, let's just make it next year. Yeah. And so I found uh, a variety of Portuguese grapes from Adelaida Winery in Paso Robles. Normally, that was uh, set aside for their port program. And we fermented them along with Bordeaux varieties uh, to make a, a kind of a future table wine. Hmm. So a wine that could be what's going to be on every French person's table in two decades. I was like, here you go. We got wow. it. Nice. Already. And it's a wild wine. It literally tastes like a, a Portuguese table wine, actually from 30 years ago rather than 30 years in the future. Wow. I don't think there's another California wine like it. Um, <laughs> and it's as left field as they get, but it's also incredibly good. Wow. Yeah. That is so interesting. I've tried wines like that are different varietals that I've never tried before, and it's hard to come up with ways to sort of associate them with the wines that you do know because I'm so used to drinking like a Pinot or a Cab yeah. or a Zinfandel or something like that and when you get these new varietals how do you how do you uh, sort of reconcile them with your wine history <laughs> in your mouth and your your senses? Yeah it's really challenging because sense memory you know guides you like we were talking about you know if we'd want to keep our smell or taste right. and I was tasting a Syrah the other night and I said you know I know this smell I know this smell and I realized it was actually a, a smell that I remember from a Barolo. Mm. And at, at, it was that point that I realized that it is kind of a personal thing. Right. Like, I've smelled that wine, so I smell this wine. And okay. I remember once teaching a, a wine class, and there was a, a, a couple, and he was from Sweden, and she was from Norway, and they actually got into a big fight over <laughs> whether a wine had strawberries in it or not. Oh. <laughs> because those two countries have different varieties of strawberries that smell and taste different. Oh, wow. And I've never in my life thought about, like, is this strawberry or not? But for them, it's a valid question. Yeah. And so the reason why huh. I, I preface it this way is that when it comes to making wines, I'm not trying too hard to make something that fits in the frame of reference. Okay. You know, I want it to kind of be its own thing. Right. And you can judge it alongside other wines like it, but it's not going to be an echo. It's going to be definitely its own new song. Hmm. That's really cool. Mm, yeah. That's really fun. I love that. Love that. So, so fun. Um, okay, random question. Sure. If there was an alien invasion, okay. what song would you play for them? Ooh, that's good. <laughs> what would I play for aliens? Yeah. Um, and which wine would you serve with your song? Oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Good questions also. Yeah. Oh, man. I feel like I would have to play like some... Um, why is it all I can think of is heaven is a place on earth? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I think that's the, the song. I, I got to go with that because my brain is now latched onto that. And yeah. I, I, I would, of course, give them one of my wines. I'm proud enough to do that. Nice. I would give them the um, the Heart Container Sangiovese. Oh, nice. yeah. yeah. Just be like, hey, you know, you're here. Well, we welcome you with uh, arms. Please don't eliminate us. I was, I was going to say, I thought that maybe you would serve them the one that has the, the golden record, right? Oh, the, Star Blanket. Right? Yeah, Star the Blanket? Voyager golden record. Yeah, that's oh, a, that's yeah. That's a good one, that's too. That's a good one, right? Yeah. That record is so crazy. It's so amazing to think about that. I'm so fascinated by space and scared of it at the same time. Oh, yeah. But the idea that I there's know, a record. Oh, yeah, you've got yeah. galaxies all over your water bottle. Um, but I love that idea that there's this representation of who we are as earthlings uh, and it's on this beautiful gold record and that who knows if they'll figure out whoever comes across it yeah light years away from us <laughs> well I really thought it was uh, profound especially for people who love wine because we're talking about my wine the star blanket wine and yeah. it has the Voyager golden record which basically like is our message in a bottle 
to an alien civilization. Right. Yeah. And I couldn't help but under, think about it, like that's exactly what we're trying to do. When we're making wine, we're really trying to send a message to someone out there. And whether it's a simple message of just like, hey, here's something yummy, mm-hmm. or if they're if we actually inspire them, you know, with to do something different in their life or travel someplace new or cook a new recipe. Like you really are doing this message in a bottle both in big scale and uh in miniature. Yeah. That's so great. What a cool label too, the star blanket. And what is this image that's on here? That's the so it's the the Voyager Golden Record. So the Voyager spacecraft, uh-huh. um, which uh, is now, I want to say something like several million miles out there, but has been going out in space, uh, is basically meant to be like our attempt to potentially uh, have contact with an alien civilization. Okay. So this record is basically like information about what humanity looks like, how we uh, propagate, like what we do, hear some of our language, hear some of our music. There's there's music that we've sent into space yeah. that we hope aliens will hear. Oh, do we know what that music is? Absolutely. Yeah, you can you should look it up and play it oh. because can you imagine like what you would pick? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Metallica. And- <laughs> so we know what your choice is right <laughs> yeah uh, I'm so fascinated with it like uh, there's opportunities I think it's more for kids but I don't care because I'm a kid at heart but I get these emails from NASA and they like you can put your name on the Mars little robot that's going to land or put your name on the Artemis as it you know orbits around the moon and I've done it so I'm pretty excited that my, my name floated around the moon recently <laughs> yeah. yeah that's neat this is so cool yeah. Okay, I'm gonna have to look into this because this is this is neat. It's, it's fascinating. It's an inspiring thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's a big responsibility. Oh like, my to, goodness! To pick that music, right? Yeah. Like whose I think, job was that? I think How do you Carl it down? I think Carl Sagan was involved Carl in it. Sagan. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So, yeah. Okay. Some of our best of humanity helped figure that out. <laughs> so cool. I'm gonna look into that. That's neat. Uh, all right. Karaoke. Karaoke. <laughs> do you do it? And if so, what is your go-to karaoke song? I uh, cannot sing on key. <laughs> Unfortunately, it skipped a generation. So my mother can sing beautifully, and my eight-year-old son has pipes. Nice. I have no idea how that happened, but I can literally break glass. <laughs> so I would probably do something like rap. Nice. Know? I'd be like, okay, let me just play down like my ability right. to harmonize and then just focus on the words. So I'd probably do something like... Maybe some vintage Wu-Tang Clan. Nice. Okay. Some, something that I've heard 10,000 times and nice. no. That's Absolutely. cool. Yeah. You can always do like a band like Cake, you know? Oh, there oh, you go. Yeah, more, like a little bit like more spoken. spoken word. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> do it like William Shatner. And oh, just yeah. Like read, read out in dramatic form. <laughs> exactly. That's good. That could work too. That's crazy. Um, okay. If um, you can, if you have one hour to talk to anyone, whether it's a winemaker or a musician or anybody, who would it be and why? Mm. One hour to talk to anyone. Um, that's a great question. I think maybe I would want to talk to Werner Herzog for mm. an hour, the the German film director, mm-hmm. just because uh, one, I'm sure I would leave thinking I had learned something extremely profound, but also not understand it in the slightest. <laughs> but also, he's just got such an incredible uh, uh, way with words that I'm sure I'd just be like stifling laughter the whole time, <laughs> even though he was being extremely serious. <laughs> I think I, I really that. enjoy that. That's a great answer. I would love to talk to Werner Herzog, too. That would be really fun. He made a movie that I still have a hard time getting out of my head. Grizzly Man. That is a really rough movie to watch. That's an intense one. Yeah. Yeah. What's it about? It's a guy who 
decided that it was cool to go and hang out in Alaska with grizzlies and oh. got too close to them and, and that's ended a true up story. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. It's okay. really a rough one yes. to watch. Oh yeah. But it stick it stuck with me well, for a long time. I haven't seen the full movie, but I've seen clips for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I want to go live with the bears too. No, no, you don't. This would probably settle. discourage you. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'll, I'll settle. He doesn't come to a happy ending. <laughs> I'll settle for my cats. That's okay. There you, you go. Know. Live with your cats. Live amongst the cats. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Humanity, that's tried and true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Can I steal your your question? Uh, oh, the, the good day one, or um, do you want to do it? It doesn't matter. It's fine. Okay, I'm stealing Coco's question. This is the one that she usually asks. I like it. Okay. It is uh, a good day, and you are headed home, and we want to know what you're eating, what you're drinking, and what you're listening to. On a good day. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. um, There's so many of them, aren't there? Yeah. On a good day, I'm eating, normally I would say sushi, but Mm. I'm going to say actually like a perfect day would be I would eat choucroute. And do you know what choucroute is? No. no. This is a, an Alsatian specialty. And it's like basically sauerkraut and sausages Ooh. that are like long cooked together. Mm. And even though it's a total gut buster, it is like just an amazingly <laughs> delicious Oh, I've uh, had this. Thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it just, is a gut buster, but yeah. And it's, it's I can never have it anymore. So I really, I really, that's <laughs> would be my one choice. That'd be like my desert island dish too, I guess. Okay, okay. nice. All right. uh, drinking. It would have to be wine, of course. Um, champagne, Riesling, Nebbiolo, yeah. Syrah. Would yeah. you put your Gruner Vettlinger with that a little bit with the sauerkraut, or would that? It actually it goes extremely well with it. I've had there it with it many times. Mm. Yeah, okay. that Gruner is an amazing wine. I had no idea. Um, so yeah, that would be what I'd eat. I have Choucroute. I'd have let's say Gruner, mm-hmm. right? And what was the third part of the question? What are you listening to? What am I listening to? Oh, um, brass band music. Mm. Yeah, that's like uh, my favorite musical experiences. There's so many great concerts and so many great, you know, home listening sessions. But just being in the middle of a brass band playing is probably the best musical experience for me. Like you're just like, oh, I didn't have to make an appointment for this party. <laughs> like I, li- I literally just showed up around me and started playing. And that's like an amazing feeling that I absolutely love. So Very I love cool. brass band music for that. Very cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you for bringing wine and sharing with us and having a chat and getting to know each other. I mean, that's really kind of the point of all of this, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so happy that there is a podcast and a show for people who feel so passionately about music and wine. Yeah. Yeah. It really attracts a lot of, you know, um, uh, really nice people, I found. And when you share those passions, you really, I think, have an understanding of what makes both of them so special and how they resonate. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jason said it best, and we're going to wrap it up with that. Jason Leffler is the owner of Stereophonic Wine. Again, find them online at stereophonicwine.com. Look for them in your favorite wine shop and also in, is it K&L? Is that where? K&L has some now, too, yeah. Nice. Very cool. Uh, all right. This is Rock and Vino. Find more of our podcasts online at rockandvino.com. Thanks for listening to Rock and Vino. Check out more great content online at rockandvino.com.